Epcot isn't just an anything. Oh, no. It isn't just a resort. It isn't just a World's Fair. Not just a cavalcade of wizardry, technology, and flair. <laughs> and that's why I'm a router for me computer. Everybody needs a friend. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> and this is my assistant and good right arm, Figment. <laughs> w, w Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 464. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts every Wednesday on Facebook, my books, audio tours, special events, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So I invite you to please join me live from Epcot Center this week as we discuss our top 10 things we love about Future World. From the nostalgic to the futuristic, it's a conversation about so many of the things that continue to make this park special like it was from the very beginning, through today, and into the future. I'll then have a question for you and an opportunity for you to share your answer on the show. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information about upcoming meets and events, announcements, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. All of us at Epcot Center are glad to have you as our guests today. We welcome you and hope you find your day with us to be a most enjoyable one. Walt Disney was a dreamer and a doer, a man who cared about the world and its problems. He believed that people could develop solutions to problems if equipped with information, technology, and opportunity. Epcot Center has been created to showcase prototype concepts and technologies that may someday serve people everywhere. This is the essence of Epcot Center, a collective endeavor by people for people in the hope for a better world. From all of us of the Disney family, we hope you enjoy your stay in Epcot Center. And now we ask for your safety and those around you that you walk slowly and carefully to your first destination. Have a great day and welcome to the 21st century.
chances are, by hearing that background music, you know that I'm sitting outside on a glorious morning in Future World here in Epcot Center. And hopefully, just the sound of that background music gives you, uh, puts a little smile on your face wherever you are and whatever the weather might be like. And I think this is just one of so many things that there are to love about Future World in Epcot, because for me... That love has changed and, yeah, maybe even grown throughout the years. Um, as a child, I loved the, the showcasing of new technologies, which was just so radical and futuristic for 1982 Lou Mangiello. Um, as time went on, I really came to appreciate the architecture and the horticulture, um, the stories, the, the technology in the pavilions themselves, and really the people behind the creation of the pavilions or the people in them like the Dreamfinder, uh, but always there has been a sense for me of true wonder and imagination and yes even the possibility for a better future and I didn't realize growing up as I look back that things that I experienced here were a lot more impactful on me than I realized um for a while, Future World was my favorite park, and I remember discussing with my dad as we compared and contrasted it to Magic Kingdom, uh, because for me, it wasn't about the whimsy, but fantasy of a much different kind. And today, I still look at this park with the same childlike wonder in my eyes, but yet from a different lens. Um, I still see it as a place for a person who believes in the promise of tomorrow and the importance of the environment and how we interact with it and its other inhabitants and uh, really what lies above us in space and beneath us in the undiscovered seas. And with so much to love about Future World, I almost wish I almost wish I could make a, a list. Dare I say a top ten list. But if you've listened before, you know that that is impossible. But I do get by with a little help from my friend. And together, we're going to try and limit it to our top ten things we love about Future World and Epcot Center. And look, while I am a man who knows that food rocks, joining me is a man who somehow still has a boyhood crush on Bonnie Appetit. He is the indomitable Timmy Foster from Celebrations Magazine. I have a crush on what? Bonnie Appetit. Okay. From Kitchen Cabaret. Oh, yeah. So this is Epcot Center. There's a yeah. pavilion with the land. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Remember the animatronic veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit? All right. So, wait. Yes. okay, wait. Quick question then. And look, I, I love the fact that we have the music behind us. What is what is your... All right, yeah, never mind, because I'm getting ahead of myself, because we have a lot of stuff to, to talk about. But, you know, we, um, we've done this before. You know, we've done top tens that are historical based. We've done top tens about attractions or characters. Smells is still one of my no. favorite ones. But I think sometimes it's interesting just to look at and stop to appreciate and maybe introduce other people to some of the things we simply just love about this park. And the nice thing about this, especially for you, is that there is no right or wrong answer. So you can bat, you can bat a thousand. So why do you groan every time I give you an answer? Oy, that's the only Well, because usually, even from the very first one, you're like, all right. Go with me here, Mangello, and then you go uh, off on some kind of tangent that doesn't even involve Walt Disney World. But I'm going to give you an opportunity, dare I say a chance, I'm going to give you a second chance right off the bat to kick things off with your first thing that you simply just love about Future World. Uh, all right, go with me on this one, guys. All right, 
I'm going to start with this because I can barely hear you talking because that was, that was, that was your intro. That was your <laughs> that intro was music right there. That was my introductory music. So I've been staring at it all this time. You've been watching or er, talking, and I'm going to talk about the fountain and how cool it is. And I'm going to tell you, Lumangelo, I did this day. Still, I'm not totally sure what the official name of that fountain is. So, could you help me out, please, please, please? That thud you just heard was my head hitting the table. <laughs> it's the fountain, the of, fountain nations. of nations. It's the fountain of nations. It's okay. That's what I thought. You know, you, there's been different name people have they called up different names over really? the year. And what have you called? Uh, the big <laughs> splashy thing. <laughs> but now, I will say, I, I am guilty of this as much as anyone. For all the attractions in Future World and the promise of Food at World Showcase, I have blitzed by the fountain more times than I can count. Um, but on one occasion, last Christmas, I did stop and watch. What an amazing show it is. And um, I, I am guilty of not watching it a lot. I'm fortunate enough to watch it right now as I'm talking. And it's great. But My eyes are up here, just so you I, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baby blue, just like the water. So, But it's a spectacular show. It, it's one of those things that happens at Disney that you might you, you didn't plan to see it. You didn't get a fast pass to see it. Um, you just come across it, and there it is. Um, going off and if you're walking by and happen to be there when the music's going off take a minute and watch the show it is pretty cool and i'm going to try and do that myself more often that's my resolution to myself because i said i'm guilty as anyone of just walking on by going to something else when it's a beautiful attraction in its own right sitting right in front of us you need to stop and smell the roses and and watch the fountains which and you know and there's more fountains there are more fountains, but this one, this one, um, was actually dedicated with an international ceremony of waters and nations back in 1982, where waters from de- 25 different bodies of water from I think 28, 29 nations around the globe were poured into it in uh, a ceremony during the grand opening. Um, there's 150,000 gallons of water in there, and there's 200 plus pneumatic shooters that shoot those in the air. It is a ballet. Yeah. It's a cacophony of sounds, and I love the mute. Well. I'm getting ahead, but um, I love it. Is a show. It's a, it's a bit of a show, too, and I love it at dusk. The yeah. fountain at dusk at, and at night. Well, at, and the holidays is spectacular too. Yeah. At night, um, and there's there's so many wonderful things to do here over the holidays at Epcot. That's another show, okay. which I'm sure we'll do. Um, but that is a highlight that I again I I always forget about, but um, we'll definitely make sure not to miss because I've reminded myself. So. So I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that and go sort of out of the order that I originally Surprise. planned on going. Yeah, because well I think what that is is and admittedly it's one of those wonderful experiences. It's a little detail that hides in plain sight, and I think for me the little details like that that are located throughout Future World are the things that I enjoy. So I think so many people, like you say, they walk by the fountain without necessarily paying attention to it. So right by where we're sitting now, just to, you know, uh, as you walk out on the west side of um, Spaceship Earth at night, um, I love, love, love the fiber optic lights in the ground. And what I love about it is, like so many things, it is unexpected. You're not, it's not on a map. You don't necessarily go looking for it. But 
it's one of the things that I think as you see it on the way out, I don't care if you're 8 or 18 or 80 or anywhere in between, you can't help but smile a little bit. And I would, who wouldn't love to have those in your pavers, in your little backyard lanai at, at uh, the, the Foster Manor? <laughs> I so I love those things, and I think I. But we talked about this not too long ago. One of the things, not just seeing them myself, but I love watching other people see them, especially when you know they have never seen them before, and they all of a sudden notice there's something going on underneath their feet, and they look down, and you can see that look on their that wow Disney moment on their face, and that's just as cool as seeing them ourselves. Just because again, it's one of those. You didn't expect it to come magical Disney extras that just is there. And I think that's right. It is something, you know, it's a simple technology, obviously, now in, in 2016. But when you see it, it does kind of make you, it makes you happy a little bit. And, and, you know, even leaving Epcot is sad because you're full from Food and Wine Festival. Um, but it's one of those little unexpected details. And actually, I think my favorite little detail that thousands, dare I say, Timmy Foster, millions of guests walk over every single day and don't take a moment to stop and pay attention to. It's located on the opposite side of Future World. This is World. another thing. It's, well, it's part of the little details oh. because I think... So with little details, you're going to do... I'm going to do... Well, 20. little details was plural. See, by giving it... A, by putting the little S at the end, I gave myself carte blanche right, to... <laughs> so do you know what I'm talking about? No. So... Uh, <laughs> I was too busy thinking of my next one. <laughs> so I'm giving you time. What I'm, right. I'm stalling for time for you. Um, it's something that was not... All right, so it was not here for park opening. It was added about six or so years later. Uh, it goes by multiple names. I like to refer to it as Discoveries. Others like to call it the Inventor's Circle, which on the opposite side of Future World past the breezeway in front of the living slash listen to the land pavilion are those series of concentric circles that celebrate um, the the it celebrates the discoveries of man and the really more importantly I think the people who um, who made them happen and it dates back to the beginning of the wheel all the way to modern times now and, and the thing that's nice about it is they don't just recognize the discoveries, but the people. Of course, the guy that invented the wheel, nobody knows. Like, you know that there's one guy that had to invent the wheel, and nobody knows his name. We'll just call him Gronk. We'll call him Gronk or Gronk, just for lack of a better. Um, but I think what is wonderful about this, like Epcot, you know, this is entertainment first, but an, uh, an opportunity to be educated too. Now, I think at one point this was meant to represent the center of Walt Disney World, but with acquisitions of land and and selling off, it's no longer the same. But in these concentric circles, there's all kinds of uh, not just lists of discoveries, but you also see some of the names of the people who made them happen. And they sort of expand out from um, uh, biochemistry to education to mathematics, and you'll see names that you know, like Newton and Marie Curie. But it starts from the prehistoric era through the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, the Industrial Revolution, all the way out to the 20th century. And I think, you know, it's it's meant to educate us a little bit, but more importantly, I think, to inspire us as well. And I try and, whenever I come either with my kids or in a group of people with other kids, I like to try and make them stop and, and walk their way around the circles a little bit. 
Me too. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No. No, actually, when you <laughs> you stole my next one, thank you oh, very much. Sorry. Obviously, now people can see we really don't talk about these ahead of time. No, we don't. Uh, but well, um, you have this giant spiral binder with notes in front of you. That's why I was confused. Oh, that's that's my uh, lunch menu. <laughs> now I was going to talk about that, but I have nothing to say other than um, again one of those things you don't notice but look at. I do remember one day I made it a point to take a picture of every one of the plaques. And I'm sure everybody walking past me was wondering why I was taking pictures of my shoes the whole time. But, yeah, because most people don't realize it's there in the rush to get the Soren or whatever. But um, definitely something to check out. I was going to follow up on your fiber optics with more stuff on the ground. That was well, keep going. Well, keep going. So. Well, let's see. That, that was the one I was going to mention. Oh, the couple other things. Um, another random... Never know when it's going to happen, but many times as I'm walking out past Spaceship Earth, I'll come upon a cast member with a mop and a bucket of water, and they are, in effect, painting uh, drawings of all the different characters, Mickey Mouse, Goofy, Donald, and they're amazing, and they're so spontaneous and impromptu, it's really cool, and when, again, it's cool... For me just to see them, but it's also just as neat to see looks on people's faces, especially little children when they walk by and they see what this person is doing right in front of their eyes. And um, um, Which is another reason why the custodial cast members are some of the most important and well-trained yeah. cast members in, in any of the parks. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the actual custodial people or if they're actually artists in disguise, but... Um, they have some amazing things. I, I'm sure they do it elsewhere. I haven't seen it, but... Um, I know by Spaceship Earth they're out quite frequently now as you're walking out. And again, it's one of those great last surprises as you're leaving the park and you think everything's over. Not quite. There's one more thing you have to see. So, pretty cool. And then uh, the other thing occurred to me, I've not gone, but I'm going to take you after we're done here because I want you to play in the fountains <laughs> that uh, are on the Promenade World Showcase Lagoon and one behind us over by Test Track, the the colored sponge pads with the the fountains that the kids play in, which um, again is not something. It's not an attraction that's on the map. It's not a fast pass. It's just one of the things you come upon. Um, kids love it. I can't imagine how happy they are being soaked for the rest of the day as they walk around. But so be it. Um, but again, even if you don't splash through yourself, it's fun to just sit and watch other families take part in this. Again, another undiscovered thing they didn't know was there, and surprise, surprise, there it is. So, so I like that for a lot of reasons. Um, I think that it, things like that add a little bit of whimsy to the park, um, and I think sometimes, especially younger kids, especially when it's hot, they need to expend some of that extra energy, and it gives them an opportunity to do that, so they get to have fun. Um, I think that's why Crocs were invented, so you could run through there and, and not have squishy sneakers for the rest of the day. But you're right, it is fun just to watch. You know, we were saying on the way here, you know, as both of our, um, as my kids and, and your daughter gets older, you start to lose some of that innocent playtime and getting to watch some of the little kids in there um, is really neat to see. Well, someone told me that's what grandkids are for, but... As if you didn't feel old enough. But Well, we were saying earlier, before we started recording, you know, we were talking about, you know, you asked me, why did Walt, you know, create Disneyland? Because it was a place for parents and kids to have fun together, and sometimes that fun could be as simple as just running through a fountain. Yeah. Um, 
it's you know all the family moments you can have um and that's that's what i love this is a whole other thing but this is what i love most about disney what we talked about so much is the just the joy of sharing it with somebody else or seeing the dare i say we can celebrate the future hand in hand we could that sounds familiar <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm seconds away from. I'm seconds away from breaking out in song. Just so you know, because I love this song. Like, go ahead. No, no. I'm not going to hold you back. There. <laughs> it's your turn, anyways. <laughs> so, uh, anything else on? But before uh, I steal anything else. Uh, no, go ahead. So, it's something that I that I said um, in passing made me think about this, which was Epcot Center as we see it in 2016 is probably radically different, although maybe um, not as far as we think from Walt's original vision. So I started to think, you know, what do I love here that that I think to a certain degree does reflect Walt's original vision of Future World? I think a lot of it does. I think the, the park itself does. But I think living with the land is really one of those pavilions, which Walt probably did not, you know, sit down and sketch out on his own. But I think... It embodies a lot of what Walt wanted Future World to be, right? It, 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 it's that vision of Epcot, um, a, a place to learn. Um, you know, Walt was cared about the future of our children. And so by understanding and, and researching um, the, you know, food production, not just here where we are, but around the world where it's more difficult than it seems, um, we get to understand the land more. We get to listen. Dare I say, Tim, we listen to We live with the land. Um, and I love the fact that it's not just a place for us to be observers of. Um, the things that are going on there are real. I mean, those plants are really being harvested. And if you don't believe me, chances are you've tasted some of the things that have been grown there in some of the Walt Disney World restaurants. So I like the fact that it is that true entertainment first. There's an educational component to it. And you have to imagine, Tim, that, you know, so many years after the opening of that pavilion, how many kids that probably inspired to take up or even change a career path because they wanted to do something like that? Well, I wanted to grow up to be the dream finder, and that didn't work too well. But now I... Um, you're like the anti-dream, like the dream no. killer. You're like the... <laughs> <laughs> Making little children cry all over Disney World. That's not fair. Come on. <laughs> now, I, I love living with the land. I think now with Soren, it's... I think it's gotten the mantle of the most underrated attraction in Future World. So I'm always... I'm sure right now we could go over and walk on, which I think we'll do after this, after we get a pork chop at Sunshine Seasons. But I was going to say, I was just excited about having to get a Sunshine <laughs> Seasons food fair. I knew you... Food? How long did it take? Not long. I'm going to piggyback off of that, though, because I was thinking of, as I'm staring at this as we're sitting here. By the way, did you mention we're sitting in Future World right now? I, I, was, think, I, I, think, I think people got just... Right. This is not... My, my backyard does not sound like this. Although, how cool would it be if I had fiber optic and a little fountain? I'm not so sure you don't, but then... Food and wine kiosks in my... Oh. I know you have food and wine <laughs> kiosks in your place. Um, but I'm looking around. One of the things that struck... This is one of the very first things that struck me about Epcot when I visited it way, way, way back when. Not just the the uniqueness of what it was and how cool it was. 
the horticulture and the plants and the landscaping was unbelievable. And it's not, um, it's not the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Epcot. I doubt it's the first thing that comes to mind to most people. And I'm not, not talking about Flower and Garden Festival, even though that just makes Future World all the more spectacular. But just the landscaping in general is so different from what you're used to seeing anywhere, like the Magic Kingdom or the other resorts. And that's one of the things that struck me when I first visited it, just how meticulous everything was. And I'm staring at the lawn behind Spaceship Earth right now, and it's it's like a carpet. It's it's like an AstroTurf putting green. But the way the, the plantings and the beds are put together on both sides in Future World West and East, and that there's such a part of um, the whole feel and the, the the um, theming behind the whole park. They're not just plants for plants sake and just sitting there. Um, you can see the the care was taken with all the water elements and the plant elements to integrate so completely with the the feel of both sides of the park from the more rounded friendlier, not friendlier um, the more round, softer edges of uh, Future World West. I always get that backwards. <laughs> well with the land and um, the seas and so forth and then you go over to the other side with Mission Space and Test Track and it's more angular and more looks a bit more futuristic but still everything is just so meticulously and well cared for and we talked about how the cast members are a very important part of what goes on here and so is the the entire horticulture team and I know what they do around here is probably very much overlooked by everybody but they do so much to make this park just a unique one of a kind place I am I am giddy that you mentioned that um, because it was on my list, and I think it's one of those things that, again, it, the beauty is hiding in plain sight because we just walk past it. We're just so used to you know it's just part of the experience. And when you do stop and literally smell the roses and look, I mean, look even where we're sitting now, the different colors and the textures and the density of the plants. I love the fact that you mentioned the differentiation between Future World East, which is much more scientific and angular, and even the plantings there are different than what you'll find on the softer, rounded, more fluid sides of Future World West, where you have the seas, and you have the land, and you have imagination, these much more sort of, um, the the concepts there are different than, you know, the the, the space and the scientific on Future World East. Kudos to you, Timmy Foster. Well, thanks, buddy. I think it's neat, too, um, how the, how the future world has evolved over the years with new attractions and so forth but it's nice that the new attractions that have come in have basically so far kept with the theme on on either side whether it's the seas with nemo or or even mission space instead of horizons um keeping the forward-thinking technical side so that's neat so here's a question for you which is which i think the answer will have very interesting uh, psychological and sociological um uh, information we can pull from it which side of future world do you prefer the um west side the seas the, the land, seas the land. land. <laughs> so that's surprise okay well that that shouldn't surprise me because you're a creator well, you know what? um the only reason i say that i think when it opened i would have said the east side but i'm in a wave of nostalgia i miss the slow dark ride so i i now tend more to the easygoing slowness of the west side versus the 
stuff I can't handle on the other side. That's I was gonna, I was gonna say like 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 the side of the park. You, you are slow and eat, but that's not what I meant to say. But you you are very much a creative, you know, fluid, free thinking. So it would make sense that that would be the side that you would probably um, relate with, and it would resonate more with you. But I love Star Wars. So if they turn Mission Space into a 20-minute dark ride through the depths of outer space, then I'd be all over it. Well, it kind of is 20 minutes, and it is in the... Well, I know it right. Without the three loops of flaming death involved in all that. <laughs> Do you know one of the things I also love about Future World is that it's upside down? <laughs> and if nobody's seeing me, I, every time I... Lou's watching me do this. Every time I pick the side of the park, I have to put my hands out to remember which side is west and east. And I remember that it's backwards from... And I also notice you walk in. I think you know. Right. You think that's you think north, that's but it's right. not. So, um, and I noticed that you have L and R tattooed on your hands too, so you can figure out yeah. which side is which. Yeah, and that doesn't help with west and east, but so. So, I'm going to piggyback off of your piggyback, actually, um, okay. because we mentioned a pavilion, and, and you know, it's funny how all that we've talked about pretty much so far has not been the, th- the things that we love. Nobody's mentioned a ride. Right, nobody's mentioned really uh, a pavilion itself, and we sort of talked about them a little bit. But the Imagination Pavilion is still something that I love. Now, there's an asterisk there that is very much rooted in a sense a sense of nostalgia. Today, I still love the architecture of it. Um, I do think about its former glory and the oh so wonderful first iteration of Journey into Imagination. Tim, I remember and God, I'm going to get choked up when I say this. I remember riding that over and over and over again and what the Dreamfinder and what Figment represented to me and I remember the organ and the avalanche and the words and the backs. Like I can see it as, as if it was yesterday and it did, man. It like inspired me as a kid. This It wasn't a ride about the Purple Dragon and the Dreamfinder, it was something that's like this. And look, the, from the song to the pavilion to the attraction itself, it was one of the things that spoke to me as a kid. Um, it, it's whispering now, it's, it's not quite speaking as loudly as it were. That being said, I also think that the best is yet to come for that pavilion. I think that. Um, if you look at the handwriting on the wall, and what I mean Tell by me. that is, if, look, when, as much as I love the attraction itself, and the song, and the turntable, and, and all the effects and stuff that was in there, and the story that it told to me, I loved being able to go after the attraction and play. I loved being able to use my imagination and whether it was something as simple as the pin table or the rainbow tunnel or painting on the walls with there was something about that that it was like an arcade man I could have spent all day in there and I can only imagine my poor parents how many times they said can I just stay you know five ten more minutes Um, as a parent now I get it but I'm sure you're crying you're crying shut up man (laughs) I'm sure my dad, knowing the way he was, would have loved the fact that he saw that excitement in me when I ran up those stairs to, to go into, um, you know, the post-show exhibits. You okay? Shut up, man. Just go. Just talk. <laughs> no, that's... I agree wholeheartedly. I, of all the... 
Well, I'll go back to the one of the, the thing I like about Future World and why it's my still my favorite park to this day. Well, Epcot in general, but um, when I first came here back in the eighties or so, that that was the one thing that well, the first thing it's struck me that made it so unique and different um, was like these weren't attractions these weren't roller coasters these weren't rides these were experiences these were 20 minute long um, glimpses into I don't know like uh, you want to say glimpses into the future but not really this was like a utopian vision of what was and what could be Um, and I still like that new attractions notwithstanding in future world um like Mission Space and so forth, but I, I still have an affinity for those rides like Imagination and Living with the Land and the Seas, even with Nemo. I do love Nemo, but um, but Imagination and Spaceship Earth were always my favorites for reasons you said, and I still I remember the pin. You were saying this, and I was <laughs> wincing when you were saying the pin table and the rainbow tunnel and so forth. So, um, um, yeah, and my daughter loved it, but it was just it was just as much fun for me as it was for her, and still is. So. And now you got me intrigued about what's to come. Well, and so getting back to that look, I think if you look at the post-show area now where it is much more vacant than it was before, when I see that, it to me that doesn't say, oh, look, they have nothing to put in here. It's, it's, a, it's a shell of what a former was. I say, no, they're getting ready for something else. Uh, I, the, I believe the plane is already in flight for not just the post-show area, but the attraction itself to change. It's time, and I think they know it's time. Uh, there's a lot more space in that in that attraction and for that attraction than you see. When the attraction changed from Journey to Imagination to Journey to Imagination with Figment and all the different incarnations, at one point they shortened the track by about 35-40%. So there's a lot more than what we can see there, uh, which means that there's a lot more opportunity for potentially expanding what's there. Um, I think the post-show being what it is or lack thereof now means that something else is coming. And I don't think that the DVC lounge that is currently on the oh-so-incredibly-beautiful second floor is going to be something that's there permanently. I think they are testing that space for something else. Um, and I think there is going to be a reinfiguration, dare I say, a reimagination and a reimagineering of that pavilion um, to really become, and I think to give kids like me who are coming now that same feeling and those same, obviously, memories that last 40 years later of what that pavilion is and what it represents. Well, now you've got me all excited. I can't wait. No, no, if, they, if that happened, that would be fantastic. But um, uh, you mentioned the post-show of imagination. That's another thing I love about Future World is the post-show areas in all the attractions, pretty much. Because um, for the most part, without with few exceptions, they're attractions in of themselves. Um, the the post-show of Spaceship Earth. Um, is Mission Space even as of for, for those chicken enough like myself to not go in the orange team? I can stomach the green team, but there are a lot of activities and things to do once you're done. Side shopping. I mean, there are a lot of games and interactive things. Um, the seas, I think, is my favorite one though because that you 
you could go in there without even going on the attraction and still spend so much time in there seeing so much stuff. Uh, which I think we've talked about before, though, ironically, is one of the things we say people take your time and do enjoy it and don't just hurry out as you watch the after you've gone through the ride. I think the seas is edutainment at its yeah. finest. Yeah. Um, you got to... I, I do... I know when we, we used to go up before, you would see more of the aquarium in the original incarnation. And it does pain me a little bit when I'm walking around now today. And since you don't have to really see the aquarium at all, except for the last few seconds of the attraction, you could walk out. And it is sort of an effort now to go upstairs and see the aquarium. But still, please, go see it. That's why the pavilion's there in the first place. And it is spectacular to see um, these fish in real life and we all know Nemo and it's spectacular but to see them in real life and how incredible they are and the manatees they're just fun to watch of course but there's so many interactive things there to do for kids and grown ups so and I look I love Nemo I think he and his friends are so delicious um, oh. oh too soon oh, yeah, sorry yeah. Um, no I do look I, and I was serious I, I think the the seas represents edutainment, uh, entertainment with, with education at its finest. I, so, quick Lou Mangello story. Um, I've had a very circuitous journey to get here. I don't mean well, SAT work, today? right? Today? Today, yes. A lot of twists and turns. Uh, my life is like a roller coaster, Timmy Foster. But at one point, um, little Lou Mangello wanted to be an oceanographer. I was, uh, you get out. I was convinced I was going to be an oceanographer and I was going to go, dare I say, 20,000 leagues under the sea (laughs) in a bathyscaphe. And I think I just like saying, being able to use the word bathyscaphe. But, uh, you know, what I like about that is, I know we talk about the the mysteries of space and all that. I, I used to, I was, and I still am intrigued about the mysteries of our ocean. It is the most, you know, unexplored and foreign environment on Earth. Um, And I love being able to go in there and the cast members are super knowledgeable. Um, They are... They're looking forward for the opportunity to share that knowledge um, with you. And I think, you know, some people said, well, you know, the the adding of Finding Nemo to it, there was um, dissenting opinions about it. But what I think that does, like it does in other places, it adds an attractor to kids that might not otherwise might have wanted to go in. And when they do get in there, they don't realize that they're learning. And more importantly, I think they leave Tim and they're left wanting to learn more. I think, I think that pavilion especially gives them a really good hands-on in certain cases opportunity to learn, but it leaves you with the hunger, not just for the food and wine festival, but a hunger for the kids to learn more. Yeah, you can say the same thing about a lot of the other pavilions. Um, that you, If you're not careful, you might learn something. And whereas you wanted to be an oceanographer, I wanted to be an astronaut. All right, I wanted, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker, but I would take Astro. Well, you're close because you are you're a space cadet, man. So yeah, that was the softball. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're Sorry. welcome. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoehorn this segue in here. Watch this. So, which was uh, when Horizons closed. I, along with all of us, were very sad. But I was very intrigued by the prospect of Mission Space, not knowing what it was going to be. Um, as I said, before, I would love to have a, a not a twenty-minute, a forty-minute slow, dark ride through the edges of the cosmos. And right now, it, it, Mission Space is fun, and 
I do love going through the queue and seeing all the the lunar rover and all the space related stuff. But um, the, even though Mission Space might not be the forty minute ride I want it to be, that what it does showcase, what I'm getting to, <laughs> is lest we forget, Future World probably above and beyond everything else was meant to be a showcase for technology for today's and tomorrow's technology and it is that and while you still might you make it distracted by the attractions and the characters and all that kind of stuff there is a lot of amazing technology in future world not the least of which is mission space with the centrifuges which they thankfully learned how to turn off just for me um but whether it's the, the ride mechanism in Soren or the incredible animatronics in Spaceship Earth that were redone, I don't know how many years ago it's been now, but some of the most amazing animatronics you'll see in all of Walt Disney World. Um, and again, every, each of the pavilions sports its own technology, which um, is astounding. And sometimes you take for granted because you're in Disney, but it is what Future World is all about. And there's a lot of cool stuff here. And I think that's why, and again, I remember that conversation with my dad, and I could, Tim, I could see it like it was yesterday, man, and I, I talk about my dad, I'm going to get choked up again, but we were walking in and he asked me what my favorite park was, and I told him it was Epcot, and he challenged me on it, not to challenge me, but I think he wanted me to defend my position, he wanted me to articulate what it was that I liked about it, and for me, always being a tech geek since I was a little kid and I still am a little kid who's a tech geek I think it was the technology that whether it was the video phones or the touch screens and to that point interventions for me um, you know which hasn't always been interventions but that you know even now I'm excited for what is to come same thing like I said about imagination interventions is very much a shell of its former self because um, it is preparing for the future. So I'm excited for what's ahead. But when it was Communicore, um, that showcase of technologies, um, encouraging people to not just take advantage of technology and be excited for technology, but to use their own creativity with it. Um, I love the hands-on exhibits. I love how they tied into the, each of the different pavilions that was there. Um, I like the, the problem solving, right? I think, and again, sort of embodying what I love about it was Communicore Interventions embodied Walt's idea of working together for a better tomorrow. Am I sad we never got the TTA on the second floor from this? Yes. Um, but I think we, we collectively, Disney, is about to turn a major page to a new chapter of what Interventions is going to be. I think it's going to be very immersive. I think it's going to be incredibly interactive. Um, I think there's going to be some learning opportunities in there. I would bet dollars to donuts that, that you will see a showcase of virtual reality technology in there at some point in the future. Um, and so I, I love Interventions for exactly all those reasons and what you said too. It, the technology of the park is is the heart of it. I agree. We're getting company here, like a million people. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, technology. Was that actually a 
item of yours, or did you just uh, embellish? I, I had well, I embellished because I had as um, interventions. Stupid, as yeah, well, Judy, no, I, <laughs> I had interventions there, sort of the, the main street, and the, the, again, the technology was there, but I certainly couldn't have articulated it as well as you did. Well, thanks. So I can do my next one yeah. now? But, but I totally agree. Um, and as you were saying this, I'm looking at the tippy-tippy top of the imagination pyramid, which made me realize... One of the other things that I love, love, love about Future World is the architecture throughout. Um, and again, when, when I came to Epcot the first time, it was a landscaping that struck me. It was the overall concept of the place, and it was the architecture. Um, these are buildings. These are all buildings that um, were uniquely designed specifically to pick up the theme of that pavilion. They weren't things you saw in everyday life at all. And even to this day, uh, whether it's the glass pyramids in imagination or the big golf ball thing down at the end of the... whatever. Um, every building is amazing. And you know what's funny is when Google Earth came up and you could all of a sudden see satellite pictures of all the parks and stuff, which is a little disconcerting as you didn't realize you were that close to the road when you were sitting in like the China Pavilion or something... The one thing that struck me when I saw it, um, of all the pavilions, going back to the seas one, is from the, and you'd never know this by looking at it from the ground, which is the way you're supposed to do, but even from the air, it's such a spectacular building that picks up the theme of the ocean and waves and stuff, but, um, but that was pretty cool when we finally could see it from overhead. But but that's just what, every, every building has its own look and shape, um, even Mission Space, that, that, which is an amazing building to look at. And even Test Track is kind of neat as the sun glistens off the sides as it goes down. But, um, but yeah, just, just that looking at the architecture, even as we're sitting here in the electric umbrella and we're looking at the canopies overhead and, um, and the, the, the triangle shapes and everything, um, there is much, I guess, uh, decorational is functional. I guess that idea of combining form and function. Um, Future World does it spectacularly. And again, it's something that you might not really notice as you're walking through. But so. Right, you just don't pay, you know, it's there right in front of you and you, you appreciate it, but you don't stop to think about it. And maybe that's a topic for a future, uh, a future episode is, you know, and maybe this is something interesting. Maybe we talk about the architecture of Future World. I would have you on because you're a creative. I think you look at things one way. And have an architect come on and talk about, again, the, the form and function in a much more articulate way than I can certainly express um, and how those are combined. You know, the fun- Look, the functionality of Spaceship Earth is as integral to the design as the form of it. You know, the fact that they, that, that 165-foot in diameter geodesic sphere has those rain gutters through it so it, it does not, um, it doesn't drip down on you. It's an engineering marvel. I mean, it literally is. And how they were able to figure out, to, to build sort of the, the table first, um, you know, sink these pylons 15 feet in the ground, build the table first, build the attraction on it, and then complete the dome over it is brilliant. But it's also iconic. And it's beautiful to look at. And the, at night and sunset with the lights and, ah, uh, it's... But I think you're right. Um, I, I think the architecture here like the horticulture, like so much, is um, we're aware, we see it, but we're not necessarily aware of it, if that makes any sense. And that, so as long as we're piggybacking, I'm um, going to continue to piggyback. So basically, we only... I want you to say pentatech, the dodeca... Bathyscaph. 
Oh, a dodecahedron? No, it's a... It's a it, oh, man, stop it. So moving on. Okay. We, listen, we're on a flow here, and this is... Because we all... And, and I think it's interesting that all these things flow into each other because my last one, which I specifically saved for last, I think does in a way tie into yours. Um, what I love, not just about this park, but all of the Disney parks, is that they are meant to be experienced using all five senses in 360 degrees. And I think we're aware of what we see primarily, um, the colors, the architecture, the, the buildings. Um, obviously, you know, the olfactory sense is one that is so important in creating memories. If I say a, a top smell of Walt Disney World, you, I, I guarantee if you rode Horizons or you rode Sword, like, oh, the orange smell, right? We, we, we remember it so vividly. But I love, 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 and I saved it for last. I love the music of Future World. From the Epcot entrance loop to look, even here, as we're sitting at the Fountain of Nations, there is everything from classic Disney movies to the the, the Rocketeers to your favorite. I know you're wearing your Yanni T-shirt right that now. Um, but I love how it is. So even just specifically, Fountain of Nations, so much of it is inspiring. Like this park is meant to be. So whether it's standing in motion or Iron Will, or uh, there is so much about it that I think speaks to that. It's sitting here in the shadow of Spaceship Earth. I would, when we're done recording, I will, I will, um, I will sing the Tomorrow's Child theme to you. Tomorrow's Why Child. Do a new. Brand new day. No. The yeah, future no, world is to born everybody. today. I don't wanna, born today. I don't want to keep you to myself. <laughs> um, you know, look, even now, going back to the, the seas, um, and it rained, and it rained, the deluge. But now the music from Nemo incorporated into there is an audio attractor, I, I think, for, for kids. Um, but I love, love, love the, the background music. And again, the background music from Future World West versus East is as different as the landscaping and the architecture. And chances are, if you listen carefully, you'll hear music like from Hook, from Waterworld, from Pearl Harbor, from E.T. Uh, you'll hear things from out of Africa. And then on the eastern side, right, it's a little bit more modern, a little more upbeat, a little more optimistic. Um, I, I, well, energy, you, you make the world go round. In the universe, the universe, the universe of energy, it's, 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 it's folksy, it's whimsy. Come on, sing it. You know the words. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm so close to breaking out in song, but I, I really want people to continue to listen. Um, but each of the pavilions has their own background theme, but even just the general entrance and background music. And I'm hoping that on cue, the, the, Illum the, the Illuminations, the Interventions Fountain will kick off again um, because it's just wonderful. And I love Timmy Foster. This is, the, this is the play right here. We go, we have a nice dinner somewhere. Yeah. And you make your dinner reservations for like 8.30. You're going to miss the fireworks and that's okay. But you come out of the Tutagusto wine cellar. We've had a nice little antipast. We've had some pasta. 
maybe a little black Zambuca, and you come out to an empty World Showcase. And you walk through, and as you make your way across that bridge, Spaceship Earth, behind the fountain in the distance, it, it calls to you. It speaks to me about the promise... You're falling asleep. I'm trying I'm, to... I am... I'm, you're not feeling it at all. No, I am. I'm about to cry. You're just tired. I'm not, no, I'm about to cry. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. But, it, like, man, that's still 40 years later, man. That's how this place makes... I know it's not 40 years, but you know what I mean. It's still <laughs> how this place makes me feel when I come here. And I speak from experience because I did that not too long ago. I came out of Tutu Gusto late at night, and I walked to my car by myself in an empty future world, and the music is in the background, the fountain is going, and the light's on Spaceship Earth, and it, there was something that uh, brought me back to, you know, 14, 16-year-old Lou when he first came here, and how much more I've come to love this park, and, and, and understanding that I think it's in a, a state of change and flux while still holding on to what it ri- originally was meant to be, which was a place to be entertained, but be educated as well. 40 years ago. You, know, you were 15 40 years ago. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Now, I... I get Forget what, it, he's rolling. <laughs> I get one thing that I was... You actually mentioned it, so I don't have to, but I'll just piggyback onto it. When we were walking here from World Showcase and we were walking through the Future World Plaza, uh, the Epcot theme music was playing, and I when I was trying to think of what to say on this show, I, <laughs> it struck me that the music is one of this. And the, the thing that we were listening to is this, the one that we heard um, when the park first open or when I was first here and I was, it, it just struck me how that the music connected me back to those first moments when I was first visiting and everything was new and magical and it was so great and it also struck me it's just the music and a lot of what we were talking about is so um, it's so Epcot it's not from a movie it's not from uh, some something else in real life it's uniquely Epcot in of itself and and today when I hear it or see it it's just from a nostalgic point of view but I can remember back in the first days and the wonder of tomorrow and the wonder of what could be and all that but um, just the entire concept of that place of this place just comes home music's powerful I agree and you know what that actually is going to make me change what I was going to make the question of the week this week oh because, well, first of all, do you have anything else that you love about Epcot that you want to add on as, a, as an appendix, a, a codicil? Just the food, because I'm waiting for you to buy me lunch. You're starving. That's, I, we're friends for a reason. Um, so I was going to ask you what you love most about Epcot, and you can still do that. But what I really want to know is, what is your favorite piece of music from Epcot Center's Future World? It can be current. It could be former. If you, better yet, better yet, sing it. Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Sing it, man or woman. Give me your best rendition. Let me hear you listen to the land we all love. Nature's plan will shine above. Let's listen to the land. I'll sing it. I'm not going to sing it with you, but I'll sing it when I'm listening. If you want to sing one little spark, go for it. Tomorrow's Child, Universe of Energy, the Astuter Computer Review song, I don't care. I want to hear it, man. I want to hear the passion in your voice. And if you cry, that's podcast gold. It's even better. And when you're done doing that, please, please, 
wipe away your tears and the barbecue sauce and go to celebrationspress.com. Subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. Listen to the love from Timmy Foster and all the good stuff that's going on there and stuff that's coming in the future. Speaking of Epcot at night, Lou. What? Um, if you go to celebrationspress.com, our new book is about to come out. It's printing as we speak. I just got the okay from the print. I'm giving the, this is news to me look, too. Where's my copy, man? Well, I don't have him yet. You have to be patient. Disney After Dark, though, that's our new collector's full-color booklet. It is on pre-sale now, so you can order your copy. But it should be coming in about a month or so, and we're so excited. Um Filled with beautiful pictures, a lot of Epcot, so there's some beautiful future world pictures we have, and and all the other parks as well. But it was a lot of fun to put together. I love it, man. I love it. I love future world. I love the music. I love you, Timmy Foster, and I love you, my friend, the listener who's sitting in this empty seat right with us here at the table. If you were here, I would I would buy you lunch, but you're not, so I will have your lunch for you. But hey, man, I, I love this, brother. I, I love being able to do this with you in person, and uh, look, you made me cry almost twice on the show, so uh, kudos to you. And now... The most important question of the day. What do you want to eat? Um, I want to say all of it. All of it. Nice. Escargot. What? No. Come on. You know there's no golden corral here, right? Time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, not just in what you see, but sometimes in what you hear. And if you think you know the answer, you can enter via email or better yet, through our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's and select our winner. So last week, I was talking about how the Muppets in Liberty Squared premiered there. The Muppets present great moments in American history. So the question, of course, had to be about the Muppets themselves, but not in the Magic Kingdom, but really in Disney's Hollywood Studios and specifically outside Muppet Vision 3D. There, as you know, is a fountain with a lot of Muppets in it, dominated by, of course, Miss Piggy, who is wearing a sash. And your question was to tell me, what does it say on her sash? I asked... You answered in spades like almost 2,000 of you entered this week, got this one correct, because you know that she is, of course, Ms. Liberty. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, you were playing for the 102 ways to save money for an at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio tours at the parks, a WW Radio Magic Band cover, WW Radio stickers, and the brand spanking new hot and cold travel mug, not available in the shop or anywhere else. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Ted Moss. So, Ted, congratulations. I will get your package out to you right away because you entered via the online form. If you played last week, 
forget about it. Put the past behind you because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So obviously we were in Epcot Center today. I was getting nostalgic. I was getting choked up. I was getting hungry, of course. And because of where I was, I was looking behind me at the Mouse Gear store, which is, I think, still the largest retail store in any of the Walt Disney World Resort theme parks. But what you might not have known is that it wasn't always known as Mouse Gear. And that's your question for this week. Tell me, what was this merchandise shop originally known as? You have until Sunday, October 30th at 11.59 p.m. to email your answer to contest at www.radio.com. Better yet, go to the website at www.radio.com, click on show number 464, use the online form there, give me your mailing address, because if you win, you will get not just the 102 Ways book, all the audio tours, the Magic Band cover, the stickers, and a not-so-scary extra prize again this week, the hot and cold running chills travel mug. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. For everybody who joins me Wednesday nights on Facebook Live and when I go live throughout the week, sometimes from the parks, thanks to all of you who I'm connecting with and having conversations with on social, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. I am at Lou Mangello on all the social and please like the page over at facebook.com slash Radio. Uh, thanks also to all the new members of the WW Radio Nation family, including Ned Habert, Joanne Wesley, Bridget Cram, Bud Catalano, Mike Masters, Michael Kell, Allison Boudelet, Megan Eichner, and why not Chauncey Friend as well. I sincerely appreciate you. Thanks everybody who joined me for the live group video call that we did for the Nation members this past week. It's great to be able to sit and chat and see and talk with you. If you want to help the show and get exclusive rewards like the monthly scavenger hunts, access to our Facebook group, personalized Magic Band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, backpacks, monthly care packages from the parks, and more. You can visit www.radio.com slash support. A couple of quick announcements to the purge of my Disney collection and soon my Star Wars collection on eBay is still going on every Sunday, beginning and ending at 9 p.m. Eastern. Visit www.radio.com slash eBay. It's everything from pre-opening cast member materials to collectibles, artwork, artwork, books, and more. Again, www.radio.com slash eBay. A couple other quick things. Don't forget, call the voicemail if you have a question, 407-900-9391, or email me with a question, lou at www.radio.com. Also, thanks to everybody who came to the meet of the month during the Food and Wine Festival and during the live broadcast last Wednesday. That was really a lot of fun being able to converge and connect all those different things together. Uh, November's meet of the month is possibly going to be during Destination D uh, later in the month before Thanksgiving. Still don't have an exact date and time as yet. Uh, Our e-ticket adventure is coming up next week. I'm going to try and broadcast to you, with you, live from the Disney Magic in New York, on the cruise, maybe even in... Puerto Rico. That starts November 4th. It's going to run through about the 13th. Again, by following me on Facebook.com slash or Facebook.com slash Radio. That's where the broadcast will be. We have our double dip cruise on Castaway Key next year in June. The kids are out of school. It's five nights, 
two stops at Castaway Key on the Disney Dream. There's like the top three reasons to come and join us right there. Visit www.radio.com slash 2017 cruise or check out the Facebook events page. And also I'm going to have other events uh, on the road as I travel to speak at conferences and schools. And if I can maybe help you turn your passion into your profession with group coaching or mentoring or special events or by coming to speak to your business or to your school, please visit the all new, by the way, lumangelo.com. Thanks again to MSK Digital Media for their work on the website again over at lumangelo.com. Thanks as always to Mouse Fan Travel, my official, my recommended, my favorite, the only travel agency you should think about using because not only will they give you the best possible prices on your vacation, a free, no obligation quote, but really the exceptional level of personal service that is their hallmark. It's why I recommend them. More importantly, it's why I use and trust them for my and my family's vacation. Again, visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And as always, my friends, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, you continue to demonstrate that to me week after week. All I ask is that if you like the show, please let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening to this episode. Better yet, share it with your friends or in a group over on Facebook. And please take 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. Thanks to you, we have more than 1,200 five-star reviews. It is a big, big way to help continue to grow and connect this community together. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Mesmalize, who said this is the best Disney World connection besides going there. Uh, he loves the fact he, she, Mesmalize, loves uh, the fact that we come up with a lot of new topics each week and new ways to look at Disney World and other parks around the world. Mesmalize, you went on to say so many nice things. I sincerely appreciate that and you. Kate Lincoln says this is her favorite way to get her Disney fix. She's been listening to the show for years. Her favorite way to get her Disney fix. She always learns something new and it helps her fill the time between Disney trips. And sincerely, Danny Rose says it's an entertaining show with lots of fun and info. And as you know, food. Uh, she's been listening for a while now. She wanted to do a review. She's a Disney fan. She loves the show. She feels more connected to the parks when she's in her home state of Arizona. But she also learns so much about the history and the surrounding, the little tidbits that she gets to share and pay forward to her family and friends. And she likes not only learning, but the laughter, which ends up being contagious. And that's exactly how I want you to feel, not just connected to the parks, but part of the conversation because you are... Uh, Danny, not you, but everybody, you are my friend, and I and I sincerely appreciate that. And she says, just to warn you, take the words, don't listen hungry, very, very seriously. I've spent too many drives home from school while listening with a rumbly in my tummy because of how great the food sounds, but it's totally worth it. Thank you all so very much. If you would like to leave a review, which again, I am super appreciative of, please go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. And once again, thank you so much so much. I cannot express how much you and the fact that you share your time means to me. And I was thinking um, about a photo that I posted earlier this week on Facebook about life being like a Ferris wheel. And you can see the, the post that I wrote about it at facebook.com slash um, I, You know, remember, you know, we only get one shot at life, right? Like this, this ride that we're going on that is this Ferris wheel. So you know, get past whatever that thing is, that fear is that you might have. Take your seat, strap yourself in, and enjoy the ride, and make sure you make every single minute and moment count because you only get one ticket. Thank you so much. Stay hungry. Have an amazing week. See ya. Hey, Lou. It's 
Tyler Robinoff. It is quarter to five in the morning. Just got back from a three and a half mile maintenance run, <clears throat> getting ready for the wine and dine half marathon. Uh, a little upset that you guys will be out on your cruise and there won't be a post race meetup in the park. But uh wishing you guys a ton of fun and uh hopefully our paths can cross in January. Have a good week, buddy. Bye. Hey Lou. Uh, Regan calling here. Love your show. Uh, listening to it as I drive through the uh, beautiful area of our country known as Western Texas. Of course, say that a little uh, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, so you're keeping me entertained in my big, long drive. Uh, calling, referring the moment in Disney history that I would like to uh, relive or be a part of. And it'd actually be uh, the first time that I ever went to Disneyland. Uh, now, I don't remember this specific day. I, I'm sure I was quite young, uh, maybe four or five. Uh, but being a father of three young children and having experienced that uh, with them and seeing the looks on their faces uh, when they saw the characters that uh, they've come to love and appreciate and going on the rides uh, that they've uh for the first time, uh, I'd like to go back. Uh, obviously, when I was a child, uh, didn't have the uh, access to cameras or recording devices uh, that we do uh, today. And so, though my children uh, will be able to relive those memories uh, through that media, uh, I unfortunately will not. And so, I'd like to go back and, and just observe uh, me experiencing uh, the park uh, for the first time. Anyway, uh, thanks. Thanks for all you do, uh, and uh, best of luck uh, on all your future shows. Thanks. Hi, Lou. This is Rachel from Westminster, Maryland. Um, I was just calling about your episode, that most recent episode with um, Martin, where you snacked around the UK. I just want to say that that episode was fabulous. My husband and I are getting ready to go to Surrey next year for uh, a good friend's wedding. And so we learned a lot about the snacks and treats that we have to try while we're there and also some of the lingo and terminologies that we don't get lost. Um, I also want to say thanks so much for all you do to bring the uh, magic home uh, for those of us who can't be in the world as often as we like. I discovered your podcast about two years ago, I guess. And I've been slowly working my way through all of them. I'm on episode 137, if we go all the way back to to number one. But I intermix them with the most recent ones as they come out. Um, and I'm just having a blast learning all your your trivia and facts about the world and about Disney. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So keep up the good work. Looking forward to to all the podcast episodes as they come out. Have a great day, Lou. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangello, Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York, and I'm calling in to say we are 10 days away from our e-ticket adventure from New York City on the Disney Magic. How's it going, Lou? This is Brian Rainey. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I've called quite a bit, and I've met you before. We met at Star Wars Weekends the last time, but just want to let you know I... I'm a really blessed person, really lucky. I was at Disneyland a couple of weeks ago, and I did try your, the you know, the thing at Cars Land, the, the Cozy Con Queso. I did like it, and I love Cars Land, but 
That was two weeks ago. Today I'm back at Disney World, and right now I am at the studio. And I went for the Star Wars night show, the laser show, but been checking out the food and wine at Epcot and had a really good slider, the pork slider from the Hawaiian kiosk, and had some filet mignon from Canada, but I'm going to check that out more tomorrow. So anyway, just want to let you know I'm here, and I'm back and having a good time. And I'll call you in a couple of days. See ya. Hi, Lou. My name is Sarah Rudolph. Um, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. Um, I love listening to your podcast. Um, I just listened to the most recent episode where you uh, snacked around the United Kingdom. That's one of my favorite pavilions in Epcot. And um, whenever we go there, um, my mom and I are huge Doctor Who fans. So. Um, that show introduced us to Jamie Dodgers, and so every time we go to uh, the United Kingdom Pavilion, we always stock up on Jamie Dodgers um, to last us through the year. And in fact, we're going to be—we just scheduled our most recent trip for um, the upcoming Christmas holiday. So we're going to be sure to get some more Jamie Dodgers and some of the other treats that you guys sampled um, on this past episode. Um, uh, thank you for that episode i'm i'm excited about trying some new things um thanks for all you do and uh hope to see you hopefully if the if you have a meet of meet of the month um when we're down there at christmas and talk to you soon bye you've got a friend in me yeah <laughs> I, I understand you're in charge of some uh, very creative things. I, I, I would think that would be terribly interesting. Right you are. Right in there. Imagination's everywhere. The visions once inside your head exist inside that place instead. Imagination is my game, the sparks of which ignite the flame of your own creativity. And that's real great for you and me.